0: Welcome to Old Man Blurred. Hi, I'm John, and along with my friend Terrence, we make up a pair of lifelong geeks who happen to be black, over 50, but are certainly nerds first and foremost. The alpha geek and the omega freak. And we welcome everyone. And by everyone, we mean nerds, blurds, and bleaks, cosplayers and role players, geeks and freaks. Marvel Zombies and Distinguished Competitors, Trekkies, Star Warriors, Bat Maniacs, and Spider Fans, Warhams, Hams, Whovians, A-Falls, adult fans of Legos, Tolkienites, Weaboos, Supernatural Hunters and Otakus, Ava Geeks, Brostars and Sistars, Pokemon Trainers, Potterheads, Bronies, Whovians, Browncoats and Scoobies, and all nerd properties in between. Because we are over 50, we've seen a thing or two, and have experience, long experience, with a lot of these properties. So thank you for listening to Old Man Blurred. Hello. Hey, I can hear you now. What's up? Oh, we're in.
1: (laughs) All right, so welcome to... Old Man Blurred, a podcast with two elder statesmen of the nerd world. Uh, uh. I, I'm John and that's Terrence. And today uh, I was going to, I mean, there's a whole bunch of news. There's, you know, there's uh, a big patch to Baldur's Gate 3. The Pokemon DLC is coming out. Uh multiple cancellations of things we love, multiple renewals of things we love. But I think that today we're going to talk uh, Dr. Who. Uh, I think both of us are, are Huvians. Is that what the term is? Dr. Huvians. Um So uh, Dr. Who is currently going through like a 60th anniversary right now. And they have all kinds of things going on. They have all kinds of plans that they're doing. Um, There is uh, a big sort of, I guess it's like an episode guide history kind of thing that's happening um, that they're going to release. And uh, they've released a bunch of the Magic the Gathering cards that's happened. Um, And I've gotten a a, a deck of them. So um, they're pretty interesting. That's cool. Um, They're sold at Walmart and Target. And I think part of this sort of renewal uh, and anniversary is that they're having uh, the return of a really beloved character, uh, Donna Noble. And they're doing, I guess, three specials. Uh, Two of them have been shown. And uh, I've seen the first one and the second one. Did you get a chance to see them yet or no?
2: No, I'm afraid not.
1: No worries. Uh, It is... uh, So I enjoyed them. I did uh, enjoy them, but I think that uh, there are there's some issues and I think that the people are going to have with it for sure. I don't particularly have some of the same issues that some people might have, but I think that it's, it's worth addressing, particularly on a podcast where it is to uh, black nerds. And we often touch on representation and uh, good casting, bad casting, organic casting, stunt casting, that kind of thing. Um, Anyways, Catherine Tate is the actress that plays Donna Noble and Donna Noble uh, you've seen those episodes though, haven't you Terrence? Yes. Um, And the thing about it is that uh, those episodes were really good. I think she was one of the few companions that Doctor Who has had where they weren't madly in love with him. (laughs) Like I think Rose was in love with uh you know Dr Who that was played by uh Tennant you know uh I think that Martha was in love with that same doctor uh I believe uh gosh I'm trying to think uh, Clara I think she was in love with the Matt Smith iteration for yes, sure she was um and you know, I think even the fifth doctor uh you know, there was some love there with uh what was the companion I forgot the name of well, he
2: the... had three of them yeah, but them
1: the the, the the Sarah Jane was I think the one that I'm thinking
2: of that that's four that's number four,
1: yeah, oh fourth fourth doctor my my mistake,
2: <laughs> but I
1: think that
2: and Lila is the other one that he kinda he kind of loved, though he would never admit in the court of
1: uh. Who exactly?
2: Leela. She was a barbarian.
1: Oh yeah, that yeah, that was was that the fourth doctor as well? I believe that was, yep. wasn't it? Yeah, yep. and I think that he as an actor had a problem with that actress, which caused him to leave. I mean, I could be speaking out of turn. I thought that there was something going on with him and one of the actresses off off screen that caused some some turmoil. But, you know, Donna Noble as, uh, you know, the uh, sort of traveling companion for, I guess it was the Tenth Doctor. That's if I get my numbers correct. I always forget numbers. I always remember the actors. Yes, the Tenth Doctor. Tenth Doctor. Uh, so she, uh, it, it, not, not to give away any too many spoilers, uh, at least uh, her in her particular time with the Time Lord, uh they kind of he had to wipe her memory and it was it was a harsh kind of situation it was one of those things that a lot of fans myself included were kind of like ah she she kind of got kind of screwed there <laughs> she kind of got kind of got messed over as a character and i and i think that this is uh an ep- uh, an effort to redress that and so they've come out with some and they and they have um. So there will be some spoilers. Spoilers, like uh, <laughs> what was the character? I forgot. It was that the doctor was married to. Gosh, I'm having. I'm a. I'm a little under the weather, so my memory is a bit shot. Um, River Song. River Song. Yes. Spoilers. Uh. River songs say in my River Song accent. Spoilers. Um. In the specials. Uh. You know, a, a situation happens that requires her to reengage with the Tenth Doctor, at least the face of the Tenth Doctor, because it's actually the Fourteenth Doctor, is what they're yes. saying. So, um, and Donna has a, a daughter that is trans, and it's and that's not speaking out of turn or any kind of it's actually important to the plot it's actually central to the plot and what happens within the story i do want folks to see it um so i don't want to give too much away uh, outside of that and it is important and it works absolutely fine the thing that is tough is that representation When it starts initially, tends to be heavy-handed, and it's only because, you know, people are trying to address the things that um, a particular group is going through currently, and you know they want to tell stories about it, and so Donna's daughter, Rose, I interestingly enough named Rose. Um, is a trans individual feels different and out of place, and it, it, it does play a role in the plot. Um, and it was fine. It, I think that, you know, I, I, we often, I think also, it's always difficult to talk about issues of representation when you are not part of the group that is being represented i always get a little like uh when you have a, a, a bunch of people that happen to be white talking about oh what what's with the blacks what's going on with what is what do they think and, and it always feels like ugh. and so i have to admit that i i can understand for our trans listeners uh, that feeling of like oh these guys aren't trans they don't know what we go through how can they speak on it but i do think that We're speaking from a place of allyship and we want to kind of, and we're nerds. And this is a nerd property that's right up our alley as black nerds in terms of dealing with these things about representation. So that's the start, that's the foundation. And now we can have a conversation about it. The second episode, uh, the second special has uh, the doctor meeting uh, Sir Isaac Newton and Sir Isaac Newton, is played by an East Indian gentleman. I'm not sure of the name, uh, forgive me, I should have had that up, but that sort of contradicts some of the things that I would be able to say as a fan, because you know people are gonna say, oh, it's pandery by having this trans actress be in the show and have it be so central. And I'd be like, no, it just served the plot, it was fine. But then they cut me at the knees by having an actual historical figure played by someone that is not of the same ethnicity or race. So that was the tough thing. And so, you know, uh, Doctor Who, are they pandering? Are they not pandering? I think it's still kind of an open question. So what say you, my brother?
2: (laughs) It goes back and forth. It is truly about balance of the spectrum. Mm Mm-hmm. From a couple of things. Number one, when you look at a, the mockumentary, the Confederate States of America, mm-hmm. where black slavery is still around, they have whites running around in blackface for black roles.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: why I'm mentioning that is because, to a degree, that's exactly what happened to the 20s when film first came out.
1: Sure. There was a again, Birth of a Nation by D.W. Griffith had uh, people in blackface. Exactly.
2: Um, and there were many people who had to hide what they were as recent as being Keensley and as late as Boris Karla.
1: Sure. Well, and you have so many different people. You know, you have John Wayne being Genghis Khan and you have Natalie Wood playing uh, Maria uh, and playing Maria in West Side Story. Um, So Mm -hmm. there's you know, there's a litany of situations in which that happens. And I think in trying to redress it, they're saying, okay, well, let's cast a trans person for a trans role. And I'm like, great. You know, it's going to, I think the problem that all of these things have, and I'm starting to get a sense of it, is the problem that these kinds of things end up having is that for one group, it's like, oh, catch up already. I mean, I'm like, for me, I'm like, oh, I'm already consider myself an ally for the LGBTQIA plus community. So whatever, catch up. And then there's other people that are like, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. They're jamming this down my throat. It's heavy handed and uh, they're preaching at me. And I don't want, I just want my fantasy to be fantasy and not be political, which is kind of ironic considering the very nature of all of these things (laughs) is that they're political. Doctor Who is sort of political, you know, whether it wants to be or not. It's like, if he's going to a place where, World War One is still happening, he has some opinions. <laughs> or World War II or the Civil Rights Movement or whatever else. It's he's he's a time traveler. There's some opinions you're gonna have about history, like we all did. But you were saying
2: well, it's it's the same thing from the point of view that they those people had to deny their heritage to get parts, and now they are flipping it to a degree by having someone have their heritage. But place on historical, so is it an alternate reality? Is it? I mean, there are so many ways. That's the one thing about Doctor Who. You know, D in TARDIS stands for dimension. Sure. So he could be in an alternate reality, even for that nanosecond. We we don't know. But yeah. For those in the back of the room, they might go, "Well, this just totally gets history." And we're going, "Okay, there was a sonic screwdriver in 1875 running around that we don't know about." <laughs> or...
1: Well, and that's the thing. I I I didn't. I didn't have that much a charge with it because you know it is you know it could be another dimension. They make some pretty funny jokes about it and <laughs> that I thought were kind of cute about having met him. But it's the tough thing is is that for every argument that you're not pandering to quote unquote the woke left or or whatever um there is an argument that says oh well look that that's clearly unnecessary it's like if you have anne boleyn being played by a black woman or you have you know sir isaac newton played by an east indian gentleman uh you know there it's almost like you're actively trying to make the people who would get mad mad (laughs) which you know i think it's probably healthy for them to (laughs) you know have their buttons pushed because you know for a real real long time the only representation that existed was you know sort of from the white male and female northern european paradigm they didn't even deal with eastern europeans or you know or that much or even southern europeans that much it was all northern europe europe that was represented and, yeah, that's one of
2: the big arguments with uh, the neo Nazis when they talk about their Aryan nations. They seem to forget that some of the Aryans were more Hindi or Mongolian.
1: Sure, I think that initially the know. etymology of Aryan comes from East India. So and so, yeah, um, and the swastika yeah. itself was, you know, a Buddhist symbol as, as well as I believe a Hindu symbol, Na- but
2: yeah, it's a Native American Navajo symbol.
1: Yeah, there's it's been it pops up in a few places. Uh, It's been destroyed now because I don't think anyone can like wave a uh, flag with a swastika and people and say, oh, no, this is a Buddhist symbol. <laughs> no one's going to buy that now. <clears throat> but, yeah, I think that so, you know, I don't know. I, I, I felt like, uh, you know, it is at its infancy right now. Uh, rep. I mean, you know, at one point in time, I'm certain. You know, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Poitier was was you know heavy handed because there were people in the civil rights movement. It's like I'll catch up, and there were other people, maybe perhaps in parts of America that were like, Ah, oh, I can't believe they're shoving this down my throat. I don't believe in it. It's wrong and everything else. And so there are going to be people that are going to react to Doctor Who's uh casting that way, um. So, you know, but at the same time, you know, where I can applaud them for their casting and trying to weave in a story that involves a trans individual, that the the <laughs> the um, Sir Isaac Newton thing kind of, it's like, well, <laughs> that, I mean, you could have let it be just a regular, you know, white guy being Sir Isaac Newton and told the same joke. It would have been fine you know, perhaps the, some of the jokes are related to it being a different dimension or a different earth. It's possible, but it is, he is absolutely, you know, in England has, you know, uh, a white English servant. (laughs) So it's like, well, hmm,
2: hmm,
1: maybe, you know, and so my frustration is just, yeah, I think that I want to be able to not, I want to be able to have an argument that they're not pandering uh, when they do something that it makes it hard for me to say that maybe a little bit, they're maybe doing a bit of that.
2: Well, I think the problem with geekdom that a lot of people don't understand is we all, first of all, have our own vision of how a hero or heroine should be. We have our own vision of how the story should go. Mm -hmm. And that's the one good thing with all the, deep fakes and all the other alternatives we can actually to a point in our own ending if we want. But the true outcome that we're not addressing is like, for instance, those who are going to complain about Newton
1: mm-hmm. might be the
2: same as a complaint about the 15th Doctor. It yeah, well... Complain about the Companion.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I, I think that they might. And I, I, sci-fi has always, for the most part, been fairly forward- thinking um so i
2: mean yeah the only time they really have had a problem is i'd want to say uh, appropriating cultures Mm -hmm. but sometimes they didn't have enough ingenuity or imagination to create a culture outside you know i mean you could argue with the world of warcraft Mm -hmm. you know and the minotaur is being basically native american you know in the in the game sure and and stuff like that if you go from that point of view it just gets more interesting it's like where do you not so much draw the line but where do you just enjoy it guess uh-huh. one of the problems we have is a lot of people they feel just as strongly about someone dying in front of them as they feel about a character change in the show sure How many people got rid of superman when he went to the non shorts Sure. Underwear, outside underwear you know they got all <laughs> mad and you just like yeah
1: <laughs> there were a lot of people that loved spider-man's black suit and there's a lot of people that didn't um i think the the tough thing about fandom is sometimes how even though it you know from a macro level is not conservative and i don't mean conservative in a pejorative way but is uh, but it is not uh, the the fandom can be somewhat conservative in approaching change. I just want to name check the person that plays Rose Noble, uh, Donna's daughter. It's a Yasmin Finney. Just want to get that out there. The actress that plays uh, Rose's trans daughter. Um, I'll try and find the gentleman that plays uh, plays the Isaac Newton character. <laughs> in the in the other episode but that might take me some time while we're talking um yeah i think we can they can be very conservative i think and i i've addressed this in a earlier podcast with us is that i don't know that i'm going to be comfortable with a black doctor who um if only because i'm worried how the fandom's going to react and if they react to angrily, I just would be like, ah, oh, that's a bummer, you know? Um,
2: well, I think one of the problems is we also have our core me. Has always been about the story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't and serve I mean, the story. Exactly. I mean, other than that, I really just couldn't give one way or other. And I don't like when people come in and they want to put their mark on the brand, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: they just have the character do something that's just entirely not the character. Sure. For, like the last... Showrunner of the Doctor, you know the Timeless Child would have been perfect for the Master. Uh huh. That would explain all the hatred. All of it. They would explain it. That one little change. Sure. So instead of one associated with the Doctor, it's kind of like no, no. See, you had a chance and you just ruined it. I mean, even if the Master just misunderstood, they could still save it.
1: Uh mm-hmm. yeah. huh. Well, and I think th- the thing is, is that the casting of the actress for her daughter um it is uh it does serve the story and it actually sort of they i think the tough thing about anything and i think this is goes for comics this goes for any sort of quote unquote nerd property stuff is that there always tends to be a little bit of power creep there always tends to be a deus ex machina and it was a bit of a deus ex machina why she was there to get out of how what would happen to Donna if her memories came back, and so you know it 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 excuse me, it does it, but it is kind of in that, oh well, we kind of figured it out, and this kind of works, <laughs> so <Exactly. clears throat> excuse me, so mm-hmm. yeah, but I think that you know. Casting historical figures, I mean, I don't need them to look historical figures that don't look like me to look like me.
2: You know. Well, it's I, also the the great thing that conservatives have said that we can't argue up to a degree, which is, just imagine. It, it, I hate to say this because somebody's going to hate me, but it's okay. What if in about thirty years they decide to do, you know, the Washington Park where, you know, Martin Luther King had his speech and instead they have a white woman doing it. Uh, Yeah. You know, I mean, because you had the conservatives say, well, if you allow one, you can allow the other. And they don't understand there are tiers and degrees and even levels of what should and shouldn't be altered.
1: Sure. Well, and I think that, you know, I feel like part of the problem is, and this is, I think, what... um, one way of being offended about the casting as for Sir Isaac Newton was just why not find, uh, I mean, I know that there are plenty of historical characters that historical figures that are of various races and ethnicities. Why not dig into history a bit and show some people history a bit and have that happen? And that probably sounds (laughs) completely like what some white supremacist would say. But, you know, I'm approaching it from the other angle, which is like maybe, you know, expose some people to some history that they don't know about and cast someone of a different race. I mean, the fact that Watchmen the show is how so many people even found out about the Tulsa race riots is bananas. I mean, I knew about that at 17, you know, but I think one of the things that you do when you are a person of color or a person that's LGBTQIA plus, you need to keep your history kind of riding shotgun with you because if you don't remember it, it'll get forgotten. So, but, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, people aren't, citizens of or students of history enough to go hey why not you know show king ahsoka or you know why not show hannibal why not show you know there's all kinds of different historical figures you could show that would be people of color that would scratch would would kind of be you know something that both sides could sort of be fine with because the people that are like oh i don't want it shoved down my throat well hannibal's a real dude you know, and the people that are like, I want to see myself represented in this piece of fiction. Well, Hannibal's a real dude, you know, so you can do that. Um, but, you know, again, I, I didn't have a huge problem with the the Sir Isaac Newton. I just think that those kinds of things, when you take a historical figure and cast them, uh, as a different race that you then give so much ammunition to the intolerant people in the world.
2: Oh, without a doubt. But also to add fire to what you're saying is that what about the ambiguous historical figures that we really don't know how they look like. We just know their deeds. Yeah, and
1: we that, that there's Yeah, there's plenty of There's plenty of stuff like that. And I think that, you know, I Cleopatra's a classic example where it's like, well, she was Macedonian, so she wasn't african she was a ruler of an african kingdom but the kingdom of egypt was different than the kingdom the kingdoms elsewhere in africa the nubians and things of that nature and she was macedonian so she wasn't even african anyway and i think that people so whitewashed her as a character that there was a backlash to then have her be played by an african-american uh actress and it's like well that's not really it either cast it correctly historically um and broaden out what your knowledge of history is so that maybe instead of just hearing the um the sort of northern european mostly england uh, 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 arguably uh point of view when it comes to history uh maybe we could broaden that out you know but you're right, it's like when it comes to these things of representation, it gets real real tough because even as an ally you get you feel like you're clumsy and you're you know sort of approaching it from an awkward place so but you know, I think that one of the things that we had mentioned uh about um sort of acceptance is you know how would a person feel about, okay, we, I, like we, you and I've come, you know, have said we have no problems with what pronouns, what anyone wants to call themselves, but then you have, what is, what about this sort of notion of trans race? Like Rachel Dolezal, you were, um, had mentioned a point about, okay, uh, you know, we are comfortable as individuals that are not trans the to open our hearts and our minds and our our souls to folks that are trans what about these people that identify as a different race even though they present as a as something else i mean is there a place for acceptance there and then it changes a bit because then it's like well (laughs) do i want this person who was raised as a a a white person for 20 years say no i I identify as black because you know there is a a history of, you know, that you experience as a person of color from very young. I mean, I don't think anybody gets through puberty as a black person without someone calling them the N-word or something else, you know? I don't, matter of fact, I would argue most people experience it well before puberty has even started. (laughs) Probably. So, you know, and how that informs your outlook on America. But then, you know, what does it mean to identify as something other than what you are uh, at birth? Um, because, you know, I, I had, and we also, I think one of the things that we were, when we were doing prep for this episode, ladies and gentlemen, we were kind of thinking about uh, the actor Elliot Page, and who was previously Ellen Page. And, I think the thinking that we sort of were thinking about that is that if Elliot Page wants their IMDB to only be Elliot Page, that, you know, have obviously follow what Elliot wants to do. Um, And that's the thing is that I think the thing that people of color most want and people that are. Uh, And other marginalized groups most want is to be seen and have a voice. And if that's what your voice says, then, you know, okay. Um, But does it, you know, you don't want to dead name anybody, but how do you also acknowledge all of the things that a person did prior to that, and have an openness and an acceptance and a grounded sort of relationship to that? And that's where it gets tricky as uh, I think an ally too. It's like, okay, I don't want to call you by the wrong name or the wrong pronoun, although people do make mistakes. We all have to be soft about that. But, you know, how do you acknowledge your past in a healthy way without making it such a harsh thing? Like, oh, that's a dead person to me, you know, when that is part of your history. it's like, I can honor whatever you wish to be called but is it entirely always healthy to have such uh yeah just such a stark way of viewing one's past you know so i don't
2: know just like a black and white i mean we're going totally nerd here for a second we all remember the first controversy in the 80s about a little game called uh metroid
1: what was the controversy i don't remember that
2: Everybody thought it was a man until the end. It was a girl. Oh. Yeah.
1: yeah, Samus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And arguably is still uh, one of the fee- few female, uh, few uh, uh, characters that happens uh, in an action game that's a woman. Lead character happens to be a woman. Very in independent. Doesn't need help. You know, nope. not need backup. No. And I, I don't know why they haven't, you know, they, uh, and video games, because the thing about video games, uh, and I think, uh, what was it? I'm not, I forgot what gate it was. Gamergate. Gamergate. Um, I mean, it really, what happened with video games is there was a just a very strong misogynistic sexist streak with a lot of, gamers, I th- arguably, I think, millennial age gamers, perhaps, and younger. Uh, and it was like, whoa, you know how it's almost like there was this perfect storm of people who spent a little too much time <laughs> at their in their mother's basement, not dating, not engaging with people at all, and playing video games. And it created this perfect sort of toxic, you know, com- excuse me, combustible uh, form of sexism. And I think that made it look bad, made it made. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. Arguably, you know, if a person doesn't play video games, probably the judgment still at this point is, Oh, you're some kind of sexist, maybe racist, you know, immature person. And, you know, there are games, Mass Effect is classic in this way. Uh, Last of Us, the first version of Last of Us, the first, uh, I guess, the first game. I didn't play the second game, just never got around to it. They call it
2: part one, that's all.
1: Yeah, part one of Last of Us. There's some really, like, transcendental, I mean, just transcendent storytelling in, in video games. So the idea that it's just, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of sexist dudes that, just stay in their basement to play video games you know nothing could be further from the truth but the loudest voices and the squeakiest wheels seem to get all the attention and a whole lot of profoundly sexist uh, and sometimes racist too uh folks uh have been representing gamer culture and unfortunately
2: we, we both have known that when even in your world of music Sure. As far as metal concerts.
1: Sure. Sure. I Yeah, I, I'm usually the only, <laughs> I mean, I like a lot of different forms of music, but I definitely when I go to a metal show, I'm usually the only black guy. Um, and I sometimes have to watch myself because there are people that are, you know, particularly if it's a black metal concert, those folks. It's like I don't know how it happens, but it's like, let's be Satanists and white supremacists. <laughs> it's, that's what the black metal scene is like. Um so there's some real intolerance with those guys. uh but yeah, so you know it it tends to some of these places that we go, they don't have a lot of representation with uh people of color and 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 trans individuals and 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 gay and lesbian individuals so. It's sad. But okay, go ahead. Oh no, that was all I was gonna say about that particular piece. What were you gonna say?
2: I say, well, see, but the problem is is that the millennials and those who are up and coming, they don't understand that our age we adjusted it with we addressed it with humor. That's why Mel Brooks is so popular with us. That's why, you know, so many others.
1: John Blazing (laughs) Blazing Saddles.
2: Yeah, John. The sheriff is is near. Yeah, 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 that's right.
1: The sheriff is near. Yeah, certainly. And I think that, I think, you know, I and I would say, in the this is maybe coming from uh, sort of an older nerd kind of, and, you know, Generation X as well, coming from that kind of place, is that some of these things, people are going to be clumsy about, all of these things people are going to be clumsy about um how representation works so and they're gonna and you have to address it a bit with humor in a way hold on one second oh, okay yeah i'm gonna have to pause for a minute anyway so i'll edit this one a different way but yeah i think that you're going to be clumsy about these things and you do need to address them with humor, Um, addressing sort of these slights and these microaggressions and these clumsy attempts at trying to, you know, connect, you do have to address with humor. And if you are a Black nerd, particularly a Black nerd of our age or older, um, you're arguably usually the only person of color in the room. And someone would say something kind of dumb. And you could have just thrown hands... (laughs) (laughs) or you could just sort of make it a a bit of a joke and not downplay their ignorance, but make it a bit of a joke and a teaching moment. And I think that our trans brothers and sisters are arguably going through what, you know, African-Americans went through in the sixties. And uh, to some extent in the seventies and eighties, they're doing it. It's happening faster because culture's sort of speeding up. But they might need to uh, remember that. And and that's not coming from some sort of preachy kind of way, but to that, not, we don't need to get into a circular firing squad (laughs) because sometimes, you know, you are an ally and you just make a mistake. You just, you just say the wrong thing. You're not saying the wrong thing from a place of hatred. You're not saying the wrong thing from a place of spite or judgment, you know, uh, you're, telling me about a time when you saw a trans individual at the store and you saw them from such an angle that you didn't see that they were female presenting. Right. And you, and s- good- you gotta go ahead, explain the story but for, for the ladies and gentlemen out there.
2: Well, it, it was a young girl, lady, whatever, and she just had a boy's cut and she was wearing a hoodie and everything. And to the point she was kneeled down picking up something in a section in a section of the Dollar Tree. And I said, excuse me, sir. And she was talking to her boyfriend, saying how she, yet again, is misgendered. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I mean, three things. Number one, our age, that word didn't even exist. Sure. You know, it just didn't mm-hmm. exist. And then number two, you you sometimes the aggression that can be displayed about that is better served somewhere else.
1: Well, yeah, it's like I think that the one thing that I think that has been happening for people of color, uh, the BIPOC community. Um, and for the LGBTQIA plus community is that, you know, admittedly, we're a little bit sick of the BS. <laughs> and so that frustration comes out sometimes uh, and is displaced on people that are just really not coming from a place of enmity. They're coming from a place of perhaps ignorance, coming from a place of not being able to see, <laughs> like you, right. you know, it, it It isn't, it isn't coming from this place of like, oh, I, I'm going to misgender you because I dislike you. It's sometimes just the angle. And, you know, depending on the individual, sometimes, you know, it is, it can be difficult. It can be difficult to, to, and you don't want to, I guess what you do is you just say, excuse me, instead of excuse me, sir or ma'am. But depending on your generation, there was, that was a respectful thing to do. And Exactly. You know, and so, you know, I think that, yeah, that was that would have been a perfect opportunity for that person to say, oh, no, I'm sorry. I, you, I, you just uh, you didn't see me there. And you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. And you'd go on about your business. And then both that person doesn't have to carry the burden of hatred and, and isolation. And you don't have to be made to feel like crap when you meant no harm. And well, that's
2: true. But you're so. not addressing the other problem here
1: mm-hmm. that
2: nobody talks about.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Our age and those older are tired of, of linguistic limitation. Sure. And uh, <laughs> I,
1: so I'm a member, a continuing member of uh, the Lama Foundation. It's a ecumenical community where people put on, they put on Buddhist retreats and women's spirituality retreats and, you know, Sufi zikrs doesn't matter, you know, Native American church ceremonies, all kinds of different things. And I'm smack in the middle of uh, generationally because I'm a generation X person. The people that started were baby boomers, hippies, of course. And then there's a whole younger generation of millennials. And the millennials are really trying to get some of these things really as part of the language and understanding of, you know, what is happening now, and the baby boomers are just like they, uh, uh, wait, I'm going to call one person a they, you know, <laughs> and so yeah, that, that one too. and well, mm-hmm. and that that linguistic thing can be a trick, and it's tough because you know, from very early on when you're learning English, you know, they was plural. Um, exactly. Or it could be thought to be plural. They, them, you know, uh, you know, and so rewiring your brain around that can be tough. Now, I didn't particularly have a problem with it. I, it feels a little clunky in my mouth, but I will always honor someone's pronouns. Um, but, you know, I think people do need to have a bit of patience when someone, is, you know, well meaning just doesn't quite get. That piece, because yeah, that's that's a that's a piece. I mean, I, when's the first time you learn the word they or them six, five Well, it's not just that or you know, I'm a
2: linguistic freak in the you new know, lexiconist, and what drives me crazy is like there are so many words they can use that have the similar effect without the same execution, sure, so they could say Gemini, they could say they're dual, both have the same effect without being. Multi, yeah, you, you know, I mentioned to you at one time or another, there's a fire happening, and somebody says, Well, they are in there, and the fireman goes and get one and then comes back to get the other and say that they was them. Sure. So now you have a fireman going and recklessly endangering himself from one person mm-hmm. when they're under the impression that there are multi people. So if they went and said, I'm dual,
0: mm-hmm.
2: okay, okay, so you see yourself as more than one, okay, okay, or even group. But to say they, I'm going to run in there and say, so I might be risking my life. If someone, now see the other part not being addressed. If anyone ever sues someone because of that, then they'll change.
1: Hmm. Well, and like I say, I think that what's tough about these things, and it's kind of, I think it's something that I have seen with the African American community, because you know, for all of the dangers and evils of being Black and you know what is the what are we going to do with the black people that whole thing you do excuse me you do have to realize that um you know we're only 14 percent of the population and so you know there's not going to be necessarily a whole lot of people that are necessarily going to bump into you your culture and things that you are about. And so they might be going by stereotypes. I think I I think there was a study last year, maybe year before last, that was like 80% of white America doesn't know one black person in a deep way. And so it doesn't have a black friend is what it was basically saying. And you know that's it makes sense from a numerical standpoint because if white America makes up roughly 65 to 72% of the population, and African Americans make up between 12 and 14% of the population, well, you do the math, there's probably more people who are actually in white supremacist organizations than there are actual black people. So, you know, but sorry. So, you know, so I think that with our trans brothers and sisters, the number is even smaller. It's like you're talking about 1%, 1%, you know, or less than 1% of the population happens to be trans. So I think a little bit of patience, unfortunately, is going to be required when there there's just not going to be a whole lot of people that have that experience with you. I, now, I'm lucky to have had a, a childhood friend whose father was trans. And I have a close friend now who's uh, daughter is uh, trans and wanting to identify with male pronouns. And I'm perfect and a different name. And I'm perfectly willing to do that. That's not a, a big stretch for me at all. I understand what, you know, my friends, uh, you know, as a parent's issues, may be with it or and how they're going to have to navigate with their child in that way. But yeah, I think that, you, it, it, again, I don't want to sound like I'm coming on a soapbox and preaching to the trans community, but I, it, it really, I think that patience is required. And I, I say this to all of us that are in marginalized groups, is that, yeah, there's time to get hot, and there's time to get mad, uh, and but we really need to make sure that you have more allies than enemies. And um. I suppose if someone's going to turn to an enemy because you get mad at them for misgendering you, they weren't necessarily a friend to begin with. But, you know, there, there are plenty of people that really do want to try. And maybe that's just my sort of, you know, notion of Buddha nature is that there's a Buddha within everybody and that there's a, a kind person in everybody, a, a compassionate person in everybody. So I give people maybe the benefit of the doubt a bit more. But
2: I I can understand it, but I mean, what people are saying is going with what you said, there are 8 billion people on this planet,
1: Uh
2: 8 billion, and that means, forget about anything else, just by sheer numbers, hear me out, sheer numbers, you're going to have people who want to be trans race, transsexual, hell, even trans species, just by 8 billion, that number, it's so huge, Uh
0: you know, it
2: takes 31 plus uh, years to equal a billion seconds. Sure. So that alone to attribute to the idea from both sides.
1: Sure. Like...
2: a long line. You're going to have like your 10th cousin, like a good example. you keep talking about Chick-fil-A and, you know, the LGBTQ and how they are against or whatever. They have four sons who have four sons who I think have four sons. You don't mm-hmm. understand math. That means at least one of them is gay.
1: Could be. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's why uh, I think one of the I mean, and I think that there seems to be plenty of anecdotal evidence for this. one of the reasons why LGBTQ rights uh, sort of happened so quickly in terms of a time frame was because there were people, you know, Dick Cheney's daughter and, you know, there were conservative people that had you know, gay and lesbian sons and daughters. And so, you know, if someone, if you're talking about oppressing your child, that's a little different than oppressing some person that doesn't look like you that you're not related to. Um, yes. And so I think that arguably uh, sort of those rights of the LGBTQIA groups will be a bit stronger and than even, you know, rights for african americans or immigrants is because yeah that that can be a family member you know maybe you might have an interracial relationship in your family so it's like you know maybe (laughs) maybe there's someone who married someone that happens to be black or whatever else um but you know the odds are you are going to have a relative that is part of the lgbtq community um Which means that, you know, I think that that more compassion tends to happen a a bit easier. I think it's going to be interesting come election year next year where they're trying to make some of these issues a bigger deal and do some reversals of gay marriage and, and different things. It's going to be interesting because I think the the. I, I guess I'm keeping this podcast clean, the poop show that's going to be next year's election is gonna be insane. Um, so anyway, well, we're not gonna solve it here, but <laughs> that was the Doctor Who. It, it it provoked a pretty interesting uh conversation, I think, um, about some of these issues. I hope we didn't handle it too clumsily, you know, but you know, like I say Uh, we're trying to figure out, navigate this stuff with our brothers and sisters that happen to be trans as well. And uh, yeah, there you you have it. Doctor Who, did they go to the Pandiverse? Maybe that's what I'll call this episode.
2: (laughs) I got a nope for you. I actually found a
1: nope. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen that might be new to the podcast, we have nopes and dopes, which nopes are things we do not like. And dopes are like dope in the black colloquial phrase of something that's cool that we do like. So, you have a nope? Just one nope. What's your nope?
2: Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery yanked all their programming off of PlayStation uh, Network. Really? Warner Brothers? So- yep so that
1: discovery, means discovery. huh why so, goes to the...
2: so what well, programs are you
1: losing in that
2: oh all the stuff like a discovery channel uh Mythbusters and all the other stuff that was on the playstation channel you know because you would get it through the
1: playstation network sure mm-hmm. is it going to xbox you think or is that do they have some kind of deal there
2: is going to to do yanking stuff for tax purposes and going to their Max channel because they're trying to make everything Max.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, that yeah. checks out. Well, you know, I, I at this point as a person who follows multiple streams, multiple, uh, you know, streaming services, it's getting to the point where it's almost as much as what cable used to be. <laughs> so, you know, it's like ten here dollars here, ten dollars there, ten dollars there. You know, it's still nickel cheaper. Dime, nickel nine. The nickel and diamond you. I mean, I have Hulu, I have Disney, I have uh Amazon Prime, I have Crunchyroll, I have Funimation. Um, I'm trying to think of what else do I have? I think I have, well, I used to have Apple, but I just didn't, it wasn't worth it to me. Paramount, I have Paramount, I think. So, you know. I, the only thing you sort of miss by having the streaming shows is, is mostly sports. And considering I only watch soccer and hockey, I think I can get most of those on Hulu or Peacock. But
2: I know but it goes back to what I was saying about having physicality versus tangible versus intangible.
1: Sure. But excuse me, I've just been burpy ladies and gentlemen, you're probably hearing this. It's like, what is this guy? What does this guy eat? Um <laughs> Anyways, um, so, yeah, so that's your nope, huh? Yep. All right. I don't have a nope. Um, Maybe I'll come up with one for our next episode. I guess the next episode we're going to do is, have we lost our nerd cred? Um, So where can people find you, Terrence? What's your email? Your deets, your details.
2: DrakeStorm at gmail.com.
1: All right, and for me, you can say, send me an email to thatsoquantum at gmail.com or uh, urbandharma dharma the number eight, urbandharma8 at gmail.com. Um, check out our lovely show, uh, That's So Quantum, and uh, I guess we will catch you all in a week. And so, uh, like we like to sign off, uh, don't be a stranger.
2: Just be strange.